Well, for the last time, we will uh, look at this verse here in Acts 2, verse 42, as we see these Christians, these disciples, as they've come together, that they are devoting themselves. And we've talked about the word devotion to think about what that would ultimately mean that you were devoting yourself to something. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. And this morning, we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to make today really a whole day of prayer. Tonight's lesson uh, is entitled, Your Best Prayer. And so tonight, we will carry on with this idea and talk about uh, what the Scriptures give of the best prayer that you can possibly pray. But that's tonight. Uh, This morning is about being devoted to prayer. And I think it is interesting to see that this is something that these disciples devoted themselves to. Very interesting. Verse 42 of chapter 2 is not the first time they did this. You can back up into Acts chapter 1 and see in verses 13 and 14 that you have the apostles there along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Jesus' brothers. And they're all gathering there in Acts 1. And it says they all were devoting themselves to prayer prayer even right then before we even have Peter's sermon. So the importance of prayer and the importance of devoting ourselves to prayer is already twice in the book of Acts before you've hardly turned the first page. And I think it is something that is important to talk about because there are myriads of scriptures in the New Testament that we could turn to that say we're to be steadfast in prayer, that we would continue in prayer, pray without ceasing. Over and over again, the scriptures tell us this. And so what I could probably do is stand up here and say, you need to pray more. Let's stand and sing and go home. And why aren't you praying better? And I don't know that that's going to be helpful, right? And we, we understand that we need to pray more. We understand that prayer is our connection to God. We understand that this is something that is very important, but it can be a challenge. It can be a struggle, uh, and we can find it difficult to do. So we're going to talk this morning about how we can devote ourselves to prayer And we're going to talk about how we can overcome some of those obstacles to prayer so that we can have a more vibrant prayer life that God wants. The first thing that I think is useful when we talk about prayer for our consideration and why we would devote ourselves to it and how to be encouraged in our prayer life is to understand something very simple. God wants you to talk to Him. To just think about the idea... That our Creator, the Almighty God, wants us to talk to Him. I think sometimes when we talk about prayer, we we qualify it far too often as like this spiritual discipline, as if it is some kind of rule that, okay, well, I need to get a prayer in here because here's all these rules and obligations that God has for me and prayer is one of them and so you know check mark the box yes I got my prayer in and that's obviously not what God wants so God is not instructing us to pray without ceasing and be devoted to prayer because he's got this list of rules and that's one of them so make sure you do it or you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble the, the whole idea is that God wants to hear from us The reason why it's put in the Scriptures over and over again 
It's like God wants to hear from us. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to hear what is going on in our lives. And and that is why we are told to pray. And I have uh, come to have a sense of that more than ever before. Parents want to hear from their children. They especially want to hear from their children when they're far away. And uh, we, we've suddenly had to figure that one out over these past few months. And uh, Paige has been uh, away from home this last semester in college, our first child to, to leave home. It's been hard. It's been an adjustment. We kept her bedroom door closed for four months, pretending she was in there sleeping. You know, you just, you, you miss them. And my wife even changed the ringtone and text tone on her phone. To make it something really long and obvious so you know when she's calling or texting. And I want you to think about that's what's going on with God. As our Father is in heaven, and here we are, and He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear what's going on in our lives. He wants to have this discussion with us. And that's, I think, such an amazing picture That He wants to know what's happening. He wants to know what we're doing. He wants to know what we need. He wants to know about our difficulties. He wants to know about our sadness. He wants to know about our victories. And He wants to know about the good times. It is not that we are ever bothering God. Uh, We we told our our daughter, even if we're dead asleep, call us. We'd be happy to listen. This is our Father in Heaven saying that to us. Anything, anytime, anywhere, any circumstance, whatever is happening in your life, good or bad, big or small, there's nothing that God doesn't want to hear from us about. And I think that would be our, our first place of encouragement is just to know that you're not bothering God. And this is not just some kind of exercise, but legitimately God wants to hear from you. God wants to know what's in your heart. He wants to know what you're feeling. He wants to know what's in your life. He wants to know what you're concerned about. He wants you to give your anxieties to Him. He wants you to praise Him for the good day that you've had. He wants all of it, whatever you have. And I think it's a beautiful thing to think about that relationship that God wants to have with us, that He speaks to us in that way that we are His children. He is our Father. He wants to know what's happening. And not only does He want to know what's happening, the Scriptures are always filled with pictures that God wants to answer us. That you have not only is God trying to elicit our communication, to call upon us and say, please talk to me, I want to know what's going on. But by the same token, that God wants to answer us. Sometimes, sometimes prayer is, I think, portrayed as this vain exercise where you're simply getting things off your chest. You know, as if it's kind of this psychological, therapeutic experience. You know, you've got stuff on your mind, so talk to God. And it's not like really anything's going to happen, but you're going to feel a whole lot better by getting it off your chest. And that might be true, but you know, God never says that. You know, God never says, the reason I want you to pray is because this is going to be a psychological, therapeutic experience. And you're going to feel a whole lot better if you just would finally get it off your chest and say it. We, we sometimes paint prayer like that. You know, pr- prayer is just me finding my place and getting to feel better. 
No, God wants to answer us. That's why He wants us to pray. He wants to do something. He wants to give to us. He wants to bless us. He he wants to provide answers to the things that we are asking for. Listen to how Jesus describes that. Like in Luke chapter 11 and beginning in verse 5. Luke 11 and verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend. You go to him at night and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Just imagine somebody coming to you at night, you know, two in the morning. Like, what is going on? (laughs) No, it's late. We're all asleep. Go away. Verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. (laughs) Basically, it's not because we're friends, but because I want you to go away. <laughs> I want you to be done with this. All right, all right, go away. What is going on? There is a picture that's being described here of something that I think is quite precious. Is that here is this picture of acting because of the audacity that is being displayed. You're going to get what you need simply because you want your friend to go away. And obviously God is not pictured in that way, but always in the contrast. Here we are, you know, and we go, well, I wouldn't do anything, but I'd certainly answer just to get you off my back. Well, God's in the opposite camp. That God truly desires to give to us. And that's where the rest of the discussion goes. Next verse, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see the picture? Here's a picture that Jesus teaches us that the Father is in heaven and he's going to open the door when you knock on it. Would you ask and he'll give. That's the picture of God. Notice Jesus' picture of God is not, well, you knock on that door and, you know, who knows? <laughs> he's, he's not very generous and he's not very kind and he's certainly quite stubborn and he's just really not interested in you. No, that's not the picture. The picture is quite the opposite. It is a picture of God, the opposite of the person in the home who's just trying to get their friend to go away and they're just simply annoyed. God is saying, no, no, I want to answer, so ask me. I'll open that door. I won't open it begrudgingly. I'm not going to say, go away until another day. But rather, 
God wants to bless us. He wants to do good by us. You have to love the picture there. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you give them a snake? There's an image. Now, what good parent, when their child asks for something good, you give them something harmful? Can I have some food? No, here's a snake. (laughs) Well, don't do that. Or which of them asking for an egg or give them a scorpion? That's not who our God is. We should never look at our God in that perspective. As if, well, He doesn't want to give or He's holding back. Notice the image is that of one overflowing because He says in in verse 13, if you, being humans who are evil and selfish, know how to give good gifts to your children, then just imagine what your good God and Father thinks when you come to Him. You have an amazing picture that God wants to bless us and he wants to give us good gifts. The encouragement of prayer and the devotion to prayer is to see that God wants us to talk to him and he wants to answer us. And using the picture of humans giving good gifts is the illustration. As parents, we want to do it. Certainly God wants to do that. That God is not a stubborn father who is not interested in helping. He is not a faraway God that doesn't care. He does not look upon us and go, oh well and whatever. That's not the God that we have and there's a reason why God wants you to think of him as father he's the best father you could ever have and he wants to hear you and he wants to answer you ask and it'll be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door is going to be open to you and so I want us to think about that just sinking in the God in heaven he wants to answer your prayers he desires to hear your prayers he is looking to answer those things to do good to you to give you the good gifts that you ask he desires that and wants to do that now I felt like it would be fun to stop right there and go see yeah go home but There's always this one thing that always comes up when we talk about prayer that we have to talk about. As here we are spending our time talking about, well, God wants us to talk to him. And God wants to answer our prayers. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on that door and it's going to be open to you. It is stated with very bold declaration. Talk to God. He's going to answer. And that should be the way that we look at prayer. And that is the way Jesus portrays prayer. And it is the way He's portraying our God as Father who desires to bless us with these things. But, what should we think when God says no? Because I think what happens is when we study prayer and we talk about things like this, is we go, all right, God's going to say yes. We get excited. We get encouraged. We start devoting ourselves to prayer. And then we get no as an answer. And then we're discouraged. 
And then we're depressed. And then we don't want to pray anymore because, see, it doesn't work. And so why are we bothering praying? And then we just think it's a therapeutic exercise because God's not answering our prayer. So what are we supposed to make of all of this? Well, really, today, tonight, and even next week's lesson are all going to be kind of touching on this. But the text I'll use to answer this this morning would be John 11. If you want to turn your Bibles to John 11, I'll be pulling a few things from that text. Some of the sentences will be on the screen. But John 11 is a really important chapter. John 11 presents us with three disciples of Jesus. They are three close companions of Jesus. You've probably heard their names before. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, Their names come up quite a bit uh, in the New Testament. There's plenty of teachings that surround Mary and Martha in particular. And they seem to be ones who are helpers of Jesus, especially when Jesus is in the southern region near Jerusalem. They live in Bethany, not far away from there, and seem to be a very key supporter of Jesus. And what you have happening in chapter 11 is fascinating because you have Mary and Martha and Lazarus and something has happened with Lazarus. We don't know what the illness is, but Mary and Martha send a messenger to Jesus and they tell Jesus in the message in verse three of John 11, the Lord The one you love is sick. And obviously they are not meaning Lazarus has a cold and not feeling well, just wants you to know. It is sick like going to die. This is a serious sickness. Lazarus is not going to make it. Lord, the one that you love is seriously ill on the brink of death. That's how you should read that message. Not, you know, cough, cough, sniff, sniff. But going to die. And Jesus gets the message. And what happens in verse 6 is so stunning. So Jesus hears this. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place that he was. What? (laughs) That is the most counterintuitive response to what Mary and Martha are asking. Mary and Martha send a message. Essentially, you need to come now. The one whom you love, our brother, is seriously ill. So, when Jesus heard that message, he stayed right where he was for two more days. What? What is going on here? And immediately when you read something like that, I think our first concern, our first thoughts would be, well, maybe Jesus doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't want to answer Mary and Martha. Maybe he doesn't care about Lazarus. Maybe he doesn't love these disciples. It is interesting that we read in verse 3 that Mary and Martha know 
that Jesus loves Lazarus. The message is, Lord, not Lazarus, but the one whom you love. So it's not that Jesus doesn't love him. In fact, verse 5 wants to confirm that to you. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it's not that Jesus doesn't care about them. It's not that Jesus doesn't love them. It's not that Jesus is not concerned about them. And it's not that Jesus doesn't want to answer them. So it's important to strip away a lot of those things. And I think it is important that we see that. And to understand what Jesus is doing, put the two sentences together. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Let's let that sentence rattle around for a minute. He loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed right where he was and didn't do anything. (laughs) Mind blowing to read this picture. And as you think about what that is saying, I think it's just important to consider what could possibly be happening. What is Jesus doing? And I think it's important to note, Jesus knows the outcome. You can scan your eyes down to verses 11 through 14, particularly verse 14, and Jesus waits till he's dead. No messenger came that time. He knew knew it was going to happen. Waits till he dies. And then says, okay, let's go. What's Jesus doing? Why is the answer this way? Sometimes I think that we think that God shows his love only by answering prayer. So therefore, if he doesn't answer prayer, he does not love us. We kind of make that connection. He didn't answer my prayer, so God doesn't care. He didn't answer my prayer, so God doesn't love me. And I want this chapter to break that. Does Jesus love Lazarus, Martha, and Mary? Says it a number of times. Did Jesus come when they asked him to? No. (laughs) No, in fact, the wording of those verses... He loved them, so he didn't come. He loved them, so he didn't come. That's hard for us. But maybe if we frame this a little bit, we might be able to understand what's happening. If you are a parent, and I know all of you at least have had a parent, and if you are presently a parent, you understand this. As parents, do you always say yes to all the requests that your children make? You don't love them, do you? (laughs) 
You must hate your kids. I can't believe you tell them no. I always say yes. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Why do you say no? Because you love them. Right? The reason your parents told you no is because they loved you and where they were doing what was in your best interest. The reason you tell your children no is not because you do not love them, but because you do. You see that what's happening up there? Jesus loves the three of them, so he didn't come. (laughs) He didn't answer yes, okay. Jesus could have just snapped his fingers right there. He could have just thought, okay, they're well. Yeah, they're fine. He didn't have to go there. He could have just, okay, done, done and done. It is so important that we hear this. God does not say no because he does not love. We must break that away. That's not what's going on. Why does God say no? Because it's for your good and for a purpose he's accomplishing. In fact, you will notice that in the text... If you backed up to verse 3, when the message is sent to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. When Verse 4, when Jesus heard it, the, he said, this sickness will not end in death. By the way, it did. So Jesus has in mind exactly what's going to happen here. He's, he's got a purpose in mind to say it's not going to end in death, even though that's exactly what happened. So he's looking beyond right at this moment. This sickness will not end in death, but it is For the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I love you three, but I have bigger plans. I have an alternate plan. That not everything you ask for is for your good. And that's why God does say no. That ultimately it is for your good. That God is always acting on our behalf for our good. But we don't always know what that is. And we are trusting in God. That however he answers something, it is either he's going to answer yes or he's then doing something else with that request. And that is what is happening here in this very scene that you see Jesus loving Lazarus, loving Mary, loving Martha, and yet God has a different purpose than what any of those three are looking at at that moment. I mean, just just put yourself in their shoes a minute. I try to put myself in Lazarus' shoes and just think about that scene. If I'm Lazarus and I'm laying there on my deathbed, I'm asking my sisters, did you send a message to Jesus? Yeah, we did. Is he, is he come? No, he hasn't come yet. Are you sure the message got to him? Are you sure that the messenger made it? Do, do, does he really know? Because surely I know he loves me. He'll surely come, right? Is he, is he back yet? No. Two days go by. Day one, day two. Is he coming? No. He's not here. You see what that looks like from our perspective? But do you see the perspective of God? Here's God going, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to accomplish. 
I'm going to work out my purpose. I am going to work out my will. And I think this is so important for us to have. If we are going to have the prayer life that God wants us to have. As here is God saying, I want you to continue constantly in prayer. Pray and don't give up. Never lose heart in prayer. Always talk to me. Be devoted to prayer. The pictures are given to us again and again and again. And here is the encouragement, or maybe I should say it this way. Here are the encouragements that are given to us as to why we should be devoted to prayer and why we should be committed to this vibrant prayer life that God wants. Number one, God wants to answer your prayer. Ask it to be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open. God wants to give you what you request. If you're a good parent, that's your general bent. I want to give what my kids ask. If there's any possible way to do it, and it's for their good, I want to do that. That is what our God in heaven is saying as our Father. I want to answer your prayer. I want to do good by you. I want to bless you. If you as parents who are evil know how to good gifts, don't you think I know how to give good gifts? I want to answer your prayer. But if he doesn't, it's because he's working a different direction in your life. If he doesn't, then he's working a different direction. Because if you as a parent tell your kids no, you have a different idea. You have a different purpose. You have a different direction. You have a different goal. A different desire. And you know what's ultimately best for them and that's why you said no. Sure. Kids think they should eat cotton candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You as a parent go, no, I have a different plan for you. I know it's in your best interest. I know that's not smart. I know it's ultimately good for you. And the kid goes, why? I don't understand why I can't have cotton candy all day long. You hate me. Do we do that with God? Oh, you said no. Where are you? You hate me. What's going on? God is either going to say yes or He's doing what's in your best interest with this no. He's doing what you need through that no. And I think that's important. Either way, God is answering your prayers for your good and for His purpose. That's what John 11 shows us. And that's why you can be devoted to prayer. Because what you're asking either way God is going to either say yes or he's going to say, that's not a good idea. I've got something else going on. By the way, do you know what the something else Jesus had going on in in John 11? Raised Lazarus from the dead. Who would have thought that one? Sisters didn't. Remember the sisters? If you'd only been here, if you'd just been here, and Jesus thought you had it. Just hold on a minute. (laughs) I'm working something. Just give me a minute. I'm working something. 
I can't tell you how many times in my life I've prayed for something that, that I think is extremely important in my life. That God has said no chance, no way, no. With capital letters, no. What will you do? Do you believe that God can work good things through the difficulty? Do you believe that God can operate his purposes through the no? Do you think God still has your good at heart and there's a reason why he's saying no? That's why we can be devoted to prayer. Is when you get no answers, be all the more devoted to your prayer life. Because you know God can accomplish great things through that no answer. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It just means he's looking at things a different way than what we can see. Trust him. Pray to him. Be devoted to him. Because he is concerned. He does care. And he does love you. Let's pray to God as we end. Our Heavenly Father. It is... It is stunning that we as your creation can talk to you like this. Thank you that we can lay every concern, request, and desire at your feet. Lord, thank you for all of the yes answers that you have given us in our lives. And Lord, thank you for all the no answers that you have given us in our lives. God, we pray that you'd give us faith and a a greater strength. A stronger foundation to accept those no's and understand that you are at work. That you have reasons for your no. That we know your no answers can accomplish great things. So God, I pray that you'd give us comfort and soothe our hearts during our turbulent times and when we receive those no answers and that we don't understand what's happening. God, we pray that you would give us a greater courage to keep asking, to never lose heart, and to never give up. Lord, help us to see that you are a loving God who cares about us more than anything and anyone else in this world. Thank you for your love. Thank you for letting us talk to you like this. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us with a greater devotion to our prayer life. Help us to talk to you more freely, to talk to you more willingly, and to see that every answer you give is for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight we'll pick up some more about that, about your best prayer. And the hope that comes from that. Can we help you in any way today? If you want us to pray for you, we'd be happy to do that. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, we want to help you in that. Whatever we can do, that's what we're here for. It's to help you in your walk with God, to move you in your spiritual journey forward to following Him faithfully. Anyway, we can help you in any way. Won't you come now while we stand and while we sing?